Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is standing by, retired portfolio manager. And I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We're continuing our series on demographics and the different generations that we see when we look around us. We've talked about the silver generation or the silent generation. We've talked about baby boomers. We've talked about, you know, Generation X, the uh, the echo generation, if you will. Ron, we want to move into Generation Y. And before we get started, we want to point out, too, that in our next episode, we're going to look at the investment implications surrounding all of these generations and how you can best approach it, depending on where you lie on the timeline, I suppose. But let's deal with Generation Y. So first of all, who exactly are they? Generation Y, or millennials, as they're more popularly called, were born between 1980 and 1994. And so they got to adulthood right around the turn of the millennium. And they're currently between about 27 and 41 years of age. I've got four kids that populate uh, that demographic, so I'm very familiar of how they think and what they do. And I would say I've got got two sons the same way, right? Yeah, they look at things differently than we do, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, totally. And so millennials are just getting into their prime spending and saving years and have a totally different outlook on things than their parents do, at least my kids do. And they're far less interested in marriage, kids, going into business, home and car ownership than the generation that preceded them, and place a high priority on travel, eating out, social media, and work-life balance. And, you know, a Nielsen survey shows that 75% of them are changing their habits to buy things that are environmentally sustainable, and they're willing to pay more money to do it. Consumer trends are changing, and essentially it's being driven by this new ethos, by this younger generation. and Essentially, going forward, this means that if you're going to be successful investing, you're going to have to keep up with the changing demographics or you're going to be left in the economic backwater. So you need to be paying attention to especially the millennials and Generation Z because they're getting to the point in their life cycle where they're making money and they're taking on political and leadership roles. And when they start taking on leadership roles, that's when you see big demographic changes start happening very, very quickly. And I think we're just starting to see that now, especially with Trudeau in Canada and Biden in the U.S. So let's take a look at their business philosophies. A lot of them want to start small businesses, which when we crawl our way out of this pandemic, and goodness knows when that's going to happen, that's going to be a cornerstone of the recovery because so many small businesses have gone by the wayside in the last 14 months. And... You have survey after survey that show that millennials want to start a small business. But what you talk and the walk are two different things. And a recent study in the U.S., and I don't think it's very much different in Canada, show that only 2% of millennials were self-employed as of 2014. And you compare that with about 8% for, for Generation X and baby boomers. So it implies that millennials today are far less likely to start their own businesses than their older counterparts. And unfortunately, that doesn't have great economic portents for the economy. So unfortunately, good intentions and dreams without action don't get you very far in business. And if you're not starting young businesses, new businesses, fresh businesses, typically what happens is the economy begins to stagnate. And I think one of the reasons is they don't, they aren't committed to the long hours it takes 
to be a success in a small business if it chokes off other part of their life. And there's certainly a sneaking suspicion among older uh, people that the snowflake generation has been spoiled and really doesn't have the, the energy or the grit uh, to go out and take up the challenge. And of course, this is negative for the overall growth of the economy because small business has been basically its growth engine for well over a century. You know, one of the worries I have about this generation, Ron, is a lot of friends of mine, you're probably in the same boat. They have youngsters. They've gone into the public service. They're working for the federal or the provincial or the municipal government because of the of the benefit programs and the pensions they're in. We've talked about how pensions are going to be under the gun here. Like, is there a false sense of security that they have about that, do you think? I think that, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about that, uh, but we might as well d- discuss it right now about financial literacy. 31% of millennials really, when they take a financial literacy test, they, they essentially, they flunk it. They have no concept of financial literacy whatsoever. So they don't have any clue that they have to save for retirement, how much they have to save for retirement, the fundamentals of getting out of debt, the fundamentals of investing, opening bank accounts, paying down your mortgage quickly. All those basic things have certainly been left behind. Now, because millennials are late starters, they're late starting getting homes, they're late starting in life, they don't move out till about a decade after we moved out when we were kids, that could possibly change. But right now, millennials are at a point where they don't understand the cause and the effect of their spending habits, government spending habits. And, and frankly, you, when you're 40 years old, you don't have too many more years before the wake-up call uh, arrives or you just don't have the money to retire. And that's really the worry right now, is that millennials are the smartest generation. There's more that have gone to university than any other previous generation in history, but they're financially illiterate. And, you know, when you start being 35, 40 years old, you have to start getting it because you need a 20-year runway at least of savings before you start retiring. And if you don't have that, you're just not going to have the money to be able to retire. And, of course, if you expect the government to be able to do it, well, as we've talked about before with the pressures of the boomers, uh, there's going to be so much debt being created to pay for the social services for the older generations, there's not going to be anything left for these guys. It's going to be a tough place for them to be. How are we marketing to this group? I, I, I sense that influencers are a big part of this right now, right? When you look at who influences this generation, obvious social media, so actors, musicians, sports stars, supermodels, they have enormous fan bases. You know, I was looking up who had the biggest uh, fan base or on social media, and Ariana Grande's name, and she's a very popular singer, a beautiful singer, actually, and she has 165 million people that follow her on social media. And when you have that kind of followership, you know, when she endorses something, she's getting endorsement fees of often millions of dollars every time she mentions something in a brief tweet or a brief message on one of her social media sites. So the main source of information for Generation Y and Z comes from social media. That means their news. That means their, their societal attitudes. That means their social 
what they do. They look at influencers, what influencers are doing. That's what they want to be doing. So the world has become a very, very different place. And uh, you can't watch TV to get an idea of what this generation thinks. You have to look at social media because that is what is driving both their political views, their social views, their economic and financial viewpoints. And they're not really all that interested in having families, seems to be my take, although I must confess that, you know, our son has it. We now have a granddaughter, which we're thankful for. But uh, that's maybe almost an exception these days. Well, I've got uh, four kids, and I was just tallying it up the other day. I looked at their kind of social circle of 20 kids, and uh, they're in their 30s now, and about a third of them are married two-thirds of them still aren't, and the other two-thirds, they don't have kids. They don't really seem to have any desire to have them, whereas by mid-30s, the bulk of the population in previous generation was married and already had had kids. So uh, this generation looks at things entirely different. In fact, uh, yeah, the other day I was looking at a uh, source from CNBC, and they were saying that dog ownership and cat ownership there's more dogs and cats now in the United States than there are kids. Hmm. And that uh, over Fang's 10-year lifespan, it's uh, expected that their food, vet bills, grooming, boarding, trading classes, chew toys, and all this other stuff uh, could easily cost over 20 grand a, uh, in total cost. And, you know, well, this is one of the hottest areas. You see all these, these uh, kids traveling. And they're traveling with their dogs. They're traveling with their cats. It's changed. Hotels used to never let anybody with a pet stay. Airlines would never let you on if you had a companion animal or a dog or pet that you put under the seat. Well, that is changing. And the pet industry is growing at around 5.4% per year. So owning pet stocks uh, certainly is one of the ways, the big trends, and uh, it's a way for it to for investors to focus on one of the trends that's bankable and you can make some money on is the fact that millennials are moving away from kids and moving to pets. And that's a big trend. And I think it's going to continue. You know, look at the look at the price of buying a, a purebred dog. My word. <laughs> it's just yes. through the roof, right? Uh, let's talk a little bit about their outlook on housing. I, I, I get the sense that they don't really spend too much time being preoccupied about owning property either. No. Now, there is a bit of a difference between both the U.S. and Canada, both in, in, in housing and in income. Now, it, because we get overwhelmed with U.S. media, uh, millennials in the U.S. do not look like they're going to eclipse the previous generations, the boomer and Gen X in salary. So it looks like boomers and Gen X are the probably the peak earnings of the, the last couple of centuries, uh, and that millennials just aren't going to do as well. In Canada, that's still not quite the place. It looks like millennials will do a bit better than their, their previous two generations, so their income is still growing. And with houses, well, 35% of millennials own a home, whereas in Canada, the average is 40%. So uh, in places surprisingly like Edmonton and Calgary, you have 48 and 50% of that age demographic owning their own home instead of renting it. And I think part of that is because home prices are so much cheaper on the prairies than they are on in sort of, sort of 
the southern Ontario or the uh, banana belt along the west coast. What fascinates me about that is that people in the United States get to deduct the interest from their mortgage, which would make it, to me, appealing, but uh, I guess that's not enough to carry the weight. That's an interesting debate being discussed right now by the, the Mandarins in Ottawa, and that's where we make it up over the U.S. by we're not able to deduct our interest, but we pay no tax on any gains we make on our principal residence. Yet. <laughs> and there's been lots of discussions on changing that. Yeah. So if you had to pay capital gains on a house that you bought 25 years ago, Gord, uh, a lot of people would have to sell down their RSPs just to come up with a tax liability. So uh, we've got a government that's very, very hungry for tax revenue, and I just hope that this isn't uh, included in their plans. And, of course, millennials, well, they couldn't care because uh, millennials generally, as a rule, especially Generation Z, they prefer renting rather than buying. And uh, I think that that trend is, is certainly going to continue, even though it isn't as, is, is pronounced here in Canada as it is in the U.S. It's still a major trend. And uh, so I think the millennials couldn't care less if their, their parents had to pay tax on their homes. They're just starting out real estate in most places other than Toronto and, and, and the West Coast haven't moved that much. So even if they bought a house, there's not a lot of tax liability. But that's something that you should pay attention to. And I know this is a bit of a sidebar, but, you know, when you hear proposals like that, uh, frankly, if we just sit there passively, uh, they could be, uh, they could be um, passed and Canadians would just bleat like lambs and, and let it through. If you hear that this legislation is being proposed more seriously, then it's important to phone your MLA, phone your MP, and scream like mad because this could really, really hurt your retirement if, if you have to, by the time you have to downsize and you bought a place that's worth half a million bucks and you paid 100 for it, that you got a $400,000 in, in capital gains that uh, you might have to pay tax on. The other thing in, in regards to this is, I, and I, I speak from experience with our sons, uh, they're not real do-it-yourselfers. I got one son that now is in the tool business, interestingly enough, but I used to say to him five years ago, you didn't know which end of a hammer to hold. But uh, they're not they're not do-it-yourselfers, are they? No, researchers in the UK did a, did a study, and mostly Generation uh, Z, but they found kids 18 to 24 years of age that 84% of them didn't know how to change a light bulb, 75% that said that they didn't have the skills to defrost the kitchen freezer. And I can just tell you with my kids um, that, uh, you know, I get called on all the time, how do you do this, how do you do that, or, or you know, can you come over and do this, or can you come over and do that for me? Uh, and I always say, well, look, I'll come over and I'll show you how to do that, but I'm not going to be your 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 maintenance man. So they don't do car maintenance. They don't do home maintenance like their parents. They they don't do preventive maintenance. They also don't prepare meals like previous generations, but uh, prefer to eat out. So they don't know much about preparing food. And this is great news for maintenance and repair services and, of course, the restaurant industry. We've talked about their lack of financial literacy. Uh, what about this fact that they are a delayed generation in a lot of ways? Normally, if you looked at the greatest generation, you looked at the silent generation, the boomer generation, uh, when they got to be 
their high school grad year, they figured out, well, I'm going to go to tech school or I'm going to go to university. And then somewhere in that process, they, they met someone, they got married. Uh, they got the, started to get their career established. They had kids. And so it was that nice orderly process that allowed you, if you're an investor, you, all you had to do was look at the, when the next big, uh, cohort of people coming through and you could figure out, oh yeah, well, I should buy this and I should buy that and I should buy things like, uh, lawnmowers, washing machines, uh, carpets, furniture, that kind of thing. Well, that has been, stretched out because these kids live at home longer than their parents. They launch careers and establish permanent relationships much later in life. If they're going to start homes and have kids, uh, they're not doing it in their early 20s. They're often doing it in their mid to late 30s. So uh, with household formation uh, slowing down dramatically, uh, that's going to have a big uh, effect, especially on the sale of hard goods uh, that go into homes. So you need to be careful that, you know, to watch this because maybe the light will come on and with the pandemic millennials will move out into the burbs buy homes and uh, start setting up households if they do there's going to be a big boom in things like dishwashers lawnmowers dryers all those things that go into homes so durable goods um, the, so there could be a bigger boom than we've already seen so you need to be paying attention to that so do we delve into Generation Z or Z now? A couple things that I just want to uh, tie this up with. First of all, they're, uh, the millennials are really into social media. And so uh, even Facebook and email are for old timers. So kids communicate via text, Instagram, and they don't watch TV Social media is where it's at. So social media you have to be focusing on. And also online retailing and banking. If kids can buy, they'll do it online. They'll bank online. They'll shop at, at brick-and-mortar locations only when they have to. Spending an afternoon shopping at a mall, uh, they'd rather play video games with their friends. So online retailing, malls, banking, it's going to be interesting how those survive here over the next 20 years as the new generations take hold. The world is changing. Okay, Generation Z, the newest generation, right? The newest generation. They were born between 1995 and 2015. That makes them currently 6 to 26 years of age. And roughly, they've got about 20% of the U.S. population. And this generation is literally the first born to be natives to the technology revolution, they didn't, uh, the revolution didn't come along as they were growing up and they had to learn it. They were born with it. So they're much more, uh, feel much more comfortable with um, the technology than we ever will. You've got cell phones in their hands when they're four years old or younger, some of them, right? Yeah, they, uh, this is not going to be alien to them at all. So th they obviously look at things a whole lot differently than even the previous generation to them. Yeah, this generation, frankly, uh, they're they're into the the rent, not own. So they they're much happier to rent their homes. Uh, they're much happier to uh, lease a car or use a car riding service. Frankly, uh, the, most of us of our generation, we sort of prided ourselves on our music collections. Well, they do streaming. They just download stuff as they need it. So they don't have the nearly the capital costs that our 
our generation did. And, and certainly that's going to have uh, a big effect on the housing market. It's going to also have uh, a big effect on the automobile market. Uh, when you and I were growing up, Gord, half the kids when they got 16 got their driver's license right away to give them that freedom. 2017, uh, that number is down in the U.S. by to about 20 to 25 percent. And the kids just, just aren't interested in that. And so this is fairly onerous for the automobile industry because that's one of the first things you did when you, were, uh, you, you had a, your first job is you went out and bought yourself an old beater and uh, you either fixed it up or you uh, uh, got road and track and spent your evenings looking at the hot cars <laughs> and pinning up all the Ferraris uh, on, your, on your bedroom wall. That isn't happening anymore. Yeah, they're using Uber or, or Lyft or public transportation or whatever. They yeah, they're not interested in owning a vehicle. So that what about their media consumption habits? Like you say, they don't watch television, they don't listen to the radio. It's all streaming stuff for them, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. cable, radio, and TV, those are sort of where the past generation got their entertainment from. Well, you take a look at something like League of Legends, which is a video game tournament. And this one was in Paris. It had a 20,000-seat stadium with huge jumbotrons. And they say that 21 million people streamed the broadcast online. And that was twice the number that watched uh, uh, last year's Stanley Cup finals. So, you know, uh, the, at least uh, the last game, uh, you know, the last uh, seven uh, games of the Stanley Cup Finals last year I've got a total of about 10.4 million viewers. So this is enormous. And some of the big tournaments they're having in China now literally have had 100 million viewers tune in on social media. So this is huge. And so you need to look at uh, social media, uh, streaming services, uh, online gaming companies, because this is where those kids are going to get their entertainment. So you can see a gradual decline in radio, in television, in cable, and certainly the rise in gaming companies, in streaming companies, Disney, and we'll have more ideas for you on our show next week. And their social priorities are different. I don't think uh, we had ever heard the term social justice warrior until maybe the last, I don't know, five, ten years, but now they're everywhere, right? Yeah, and Generation Z and Millennials, especially Generation Z, are very concerned about the environment, social justice, government, uh, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, um, uh, and the list goes all and on, on and on about their their concerns that are dramatically different from previous generations. They're interested in the environment. They are not interested in using things that use hydrocarbons or oil and gas. Um, they're interested in things that produce uh, that are that are produced by renewables like wind and solar, and so you know the renewables. That's where the future is. That's where legislation is going, and you know, like Sheikh Yamani said about the about the Stone Age, it didn't end because of lack of stones. And I think that the oil age, it might not be over, but certainly we're starting to see it displaced, and you know that leaves a big question mark overhanging the long-term future of oil and gas. And certainly next week, we'll talk about, we're not saying dismiss oil and gas, but there, there's certain strategies you want to use that if you're going to be into that sector or any other sector that, frankly, Generation Z is turning their back on. 
And I would think, given the way the world is changing with the march towards technology, Ron, these, this generation is going to face interesting challenges in the job market, aren't they? Yeah, right now they've been kind of isolated, especially because many, many kids in Generation Z are getting good educations. And so they've been kind of isolated from the fact that, you know, it's, it's been the domain of essentially Western Europe and Japan and North America where all the good education uh, came from and the good jobs were created. Well, China, which has literally seen its basic income go up four times, I think, over the last 20 years, and they can't compete anymore on a lot of the basic things, manufacturing, and we're seeing that being outsourced to Vietnam and Indonesia and other Asian and African countries. And so what China is having to do is they're following the Western strategy of encouraging careers that require very high skill levels and specialized training. So China is still coming after our jobs, but they're now doing so much higher on the food chain. So Generation Z is going to be especially, have to be especially diligent to make sure that they go back to stool and get, com- and get continuous training because it's going to be an very highly competitive workplace with uh, really highly skilled and motivated people uh, coming from Asia that are going to want their jobs. And believe me, you talk to the kids that come from Asia, they're concerned about getting the job. They're not necessarily worried about work-life balance. And their political leanings are certainly different, too. They, they tend to lean strongly to the left. They have a lot of socialistic viewpoints uh, as opposed to baby boomers who are, you know, over to the right. Uh, this one's going to cause some strife at some point, too, I think. Well, I think it will because they want an expanded safety net. They want the government to pay for health care, for education. Uh, they want to have a basic income for everybody. And unfortunately, the math doesn't work on all this stuff. And there just is not enough money in the system to pay for it. So as time passes and the millennials and Generation Z become the majority of the population, expect socialism to be a far more dominating force in society, accompanied by certainly uh, free-spending big government. And uh, that usually goes right along with it. Yeah, who's going to pay the bills is what I always ask. What about their, what about their rate of debt for education? Because you hear stories, these horrible stories, about people that have enormous debt to, to complete their education. Are they in better shape in that regard? Well, I certainly think that they're in better shape than their American counterparts. Half the kids, according to a McLean study, uh, came out of university with no debt at all. Uh, they were the smart ones that, for the first part of their education, they stayed at home. Whereas in the U.S., it's a tradition. Well, I need to get away from home. I need to uh, think for myself. I need to be uh, independent. So they go away to other universities, which typically cost two to three times as much per year. Staying at home is literally half the cost. Uh, We're not as concerned about sending our kids to an Ivy League school as they are in the U.S. Uh, U of A, U of Calgary work pretty good for most of us and for most of our kids. Uh, We don't need to be sending them for their first four years of university to Harvard or Yale. But in the U.S., it's an entirely different picture. So actually, the kids aren't doing too bad right now which is one of the bright spots. Okay, so there you go. We've covered the generations and the demographic implications of those generations. Now we want to talk about what are the implications for investment of these demographic shifts. We're coming back next week to do that. We'll, uh, that'll be part three of this series. So on behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you next week.
Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.